We're like, yeah, we're just gonna do the same thing, but a little bit cheaper, and we're calling it an echelon. It's pretty wild that they pulled this off. I saw them originally at CES, and I was like, oh, cool, a Peloton booth, and it was echelon. It was <laughs> it was the same thing. It was the exact same thing. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off on the road. Let's travel. Never. Uh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, you know, lots of things going on. Where do you want to start? You drive. What do you got? All right, I got a couple quick like random ideas for you. Okay, so I'll call this the big box strategy. Okay, here's my big box strategy. So I saw recently that Kevin Hart was like, hey, our new thing is live at Walmart. And I was like, new thing? What is it? This looks pretty much like Athletic Greens. And sure enough, it kind of is. It's just Athletic Greens plus Kevin Hart going into Walmart, at like lower price point, basically. How much is it? Athletic Greens is like 80 bucks a month. Yeah, athletic greens is expensive. Uh, let me see. Greens. Let me see his thing. Vita Hustle is his uh, is the name of. Oh my his god! Thing. And literally, it's like a picture of him drinking his greens and electrolytes on the cover or whatever. So, anyways, I saw him going into Walmart, and I had had this realization the other day when I was walking around a Costco. I was walking around Costco, and Costco is amazing. Costco. If you have a Costco deal, uh, if you talk to anyone who has a Costco deal, they're like Costco drives insane volume it will make us as a company it also might break us as a company because they cut like pretty ruthless deals and if you ever like lose costco or they like they don't go through with their purchase order like you might be screwed um but picasso could drive a ton of volume and i was walking around and i basically saw in costco if you go look every electronic like piece of equipment that's there is is like a it's not a chinese knockoff it's like an american knockoff of an american product yeah, it's like they're light. Here's version. this mattress, nine sleep. It's like what the this is this is just like eight sleep. Dude, What's going on here? <laughs> I have a three hundred dollar Costco mattress in one of my rooms at my house, and whenever guests stay there, they go, "Where'd you get this mattress?" They ask about <laughs> it all the time. I'm like, "Fucking two hundred eighty bucks at Costco." <laughs> so, so basically, they have a lot of these, like um, you know, blenders, uh, you know, like fitness trackers, things like that. It's, they have like they need kind of like they need it at a certain price point. So there's a strategy, which is basically you take the highly desirable thing that's kind of a too high price point, like Athletic Greens or another one, Oura Ring. Um, I don't know if you've ever looked into buying an Oura Ring, but it tracks your sleep. It's whatever. It's a cool ring that tracks your sleep. And it's like it's like $700 or something like that for this ring. Um, and maybe they've changed the pricing now. But like I think when I bought it, it was $700. Um, or Okay, it looks like it's like $500, let's say. So, yeah, $500. Uh, about 500 bucks for like the the kind of like the generation three Ura ring they they've sold like a billion dollars of Ura ring so there's definitely demand for this product like uh, the cumulative sales is is that high but you go to costco there's no Ura ring and there's no replacement for Ura ring i think you could create a company that just says i'm going to make a Ura, Ura ring like thing for costco and that's the entire business plan is just to do that one thing and if you do that one thing you'll be more successful than 99% of e-commerce stores. <laughs> you got to think smarter and not work, not, not, not like try to work so hard. So like similarly, I would go and I would hunt down what are the products that are not yet in Walmart or Costco, places that drive insane volume, Target's another one, um, that there is proven kind of like high-end New York, LA, Lululemon drink, uh, Lululemon uh, Peloton type of customer that, that that buys a product like that and you just bring it down market and like just make it a little worse like Theragun and like you know they, they've done they've done this with a bunch of them um and go figure out which one is not there like for example the mattress thing it's actually not there yet there is no eight sleep mattress there there is no Ura ring there yet at least last time I walked around um and I think that's a just a simple strategy for e-commerce have you heard of Echelon Echelon no dude you should look up Echelon so Echelon is a fitness company. They started. Uh, oh, it's Peloton. It looks exactly like Peloton. Yeah. I don't know when exactly they started, but they it's it's an American company, I think, too. So if you go to Echelon Fitness, it, I think they maybe have changed their branding. But before, it was the same red Dude, as Peloton. It looks the same as Peloton. And it, 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 it was a Peloton, but cheaper. And they it's now they have... Costco. Yes. And they do... Uh, the guy who started, I read this interview with him. So basically, he, they have 
the uh, the mirror, the fitness mirror that was really popular called Mirror. Yeah. They have a smart rower, which a, a few companies did. And they did the Peloton bike. Now they have a smart treadmill. And they just did the same thing, but cheaper. And at first, it was all the same branding. But instead of Peloton, it said Echelon. They're on track to do $200 million a year in revenue this year. I think it's a bootstrapped company. Like I think they just said, like <laughs> whatever you do... So it says, uh, Peloton rival Echelon fit, uh, Fitness eyes... A one billion dollar valuation. So maybe they, oh, they they recently uh, raised some money, uh, but they were like, yeah, we're just gonna do the same thing, but a little bit cheaper, and we're calling it the Echelon. It's pretty wild that they pulled this off. I saw them originally at CES, and I was like, oh, cool, a Peloton booth, and it was Echelon. It was <laughs> it was the same thing. It was the exact same thing. It was pretty funny, and they do they have a ride with Pitbull. So like Pitbull, the rapper, is like the guy uh, that they chose. They're in Walmart. Costco, Target, things like that. Whereas, you know, Lululemon's company, Mir and Peloton was like, fucking Walmart people, not a right. chance. Like, we, <laughs> we want skinny people to get skinnier. You know, like it was, that was right. their whole shtick. And they Echelon. went the exact... It's like Peloton, but the seat is wider for yeah. other sorts of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, what they, that's what their motto is. Other sorts of people. Uh, and your anyway, type. Yeah. <laughs> we are your type. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make you look like the before picture instead of the way before picture. Uh, and so anyway, pretty cool that they've done exactly what you're talking about. This Kevin Hart thing, it's kind of stupid. It's kind of cheap though, right? If If I'm... If I'm Kevin Hart, I don't know if I, I would be know. doing this. Is hundred million dollars going to be stupid? Because that's what he's going to make off this thing. All right, it's time for a little ad break. Ever wonder what a unicorn eats for breakfast? Okay, I don't actually know, but I do know that twenty percent of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, marketing, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big on your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, go to HubSpot.com slash startups. I have a meaty topic about your old company, The Milk Road, and how I think that you guys have just made a huge mistake. I'm going to bring that up in a minute, and I want to get your opinion on it. But before I do, I want to talk about something that's not business-related at all. But it kind of is, and I'm going to get to it. <laughs> uh, I've been working on like different body stuff. Like I love like experimenting with body. And this is like a little uh, vein of me to bring this up. But I posted these pictures in our doc. And they're about two months apart. And basically, what I've been experimenting with body-wise is like getting super lean and like somewhat skinny and then like gaining weight again, but without getting fat. You know, they call it like a like a dirty bulk. That's when you eat like a ton of food and you but you get muscle and you get fat. I've been experimenting with that. But look at the difference in the two pictures that I shared. And if this is on YouTube, we'll put it on the screen, I guess. It seems a little weird, but I guess we'll do it. Dude, we're making this the thumbnail. If you're going to bring this up, we're getting the click. So uh, welcome all of our thumbnail viewers who clicked because you saw a before and after of Sam. Well, it's not. The, the pictures aren't that shocking. But here's what I've been testing. Just a difference of two to 300 calories a day for two months. So you go down to like 1900 to 2000 or 1900 or 2100 ish. That's my window when I'm getting skinny up to like 23, 2400. That's the difference. 300 calories a day, 200 calories a day. That's the difference. That's like a Twinkie or uh, <laughs> like a pack of M&Ms. That's, that's not a lot. Two slices of cheese or something. <laughs> yeah, that, it's not a significant amount. In my case, it's mostly protein. So it's a little bit more protein. Is that crazy how big of a difference that can make? It is crazy. Um, I saw you post that on IG and I was, I was, I had a great joke or something. I, I remember I had a great joke and then I was like, you know, I'm not going to make this joke. This is, this is me getting wiser. I said, I'm not going to make this joke because some people get real sensitive about their body and they don't, they don't want jokes. Uh, like even a funny joke won't, won't come across well. So I said, let me just, let me just hit the like button and move on, carry on here. But I do have a question for just you. Just say it. Just say it. Come on. I don't even remember it now. It was something about like, you know, what you know, when a person's like super fit, then you have to like pull them down. When someone's like fat, you have to like bring them up. So I was I was I was gonna make fun of you in some way, but you know, I, I don't even remember what it was at this point. Um I have a question for you. The, or the thing that stood out was you were basically saying this is a two hundred calorie difference. And I was like, that's kind of stunning. It's stunning. And by the way, that's not precise. So I I I uh typically weigh stuff. I've been traveling for the last six weeks, so I don't weigh stuff, but I track everything. So a lot of it's eyeballing. So I could be give or take. What are you, what are you tracking everything in? 
my fitness pal. So I use my body tutor and I meet with them weekly and we go over like the plan and they give me like the plan to use. And then I have a trainer called Central Athlete and they tell me what workouts to do. And so I just track everything and they review it all. Right. And so you, um, what's a typical day of eating for you right now? So right now, I prefer getting a lot of protein early in the day. So I'll do um, roughly 100 grams of protein first are thing. Are you fasting or are you just doing the like 30, you know, 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes? Like which, because I've heard both schools of thought, intermittent fasting, people like. I don't fast. And then Tim Ferriss in the four hour body was like, no, 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 protein right away, right when you wake up. I don't fast because it, uh, I'm hungry in the morning. So I, I don't fast. So I get up. Uh, around 9.30, I'll have uh, a cup of yogurt. So that's like 15 grams of protein, I think. Uh, and then I'll maybe eat like a banana. And then I'll go and get a really hard workout in. And then afterwards, I'll do... I use uh, a scent or momentous pro protein. And I do four scoops with just water. And I drink that. And then I won't eat till dinner. And then... Four's a lot, right? It's Isn't a ton. it supposed to be like one per thing? Is that like the one standard or, serving? One or two. And so each scoop's like 20 grams, of 25, protein. 25. Yeah. So you, so, so you just get a hundred grams right there in that. Can the body even absorb that much protein powder at once? Uh, that's what I always wonder. So I don't know. I, I think that the preferred method is to get that protein from food and chicken, but I just like doing it. So I just like drinking it one and I feel really full. And then at dinner time, I eat chicken and vegetables and usually like a dessert. Well, wait, so there's no lunch. That's my lunch is like the, the protein. I, I just feel so good. You eat a banana, a, a thing of yogurt, you drink a shitload of protein powder, and then you later for dinner, like we're talking like 6 p.m. now, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll eat like you a 1,300-calorie meal. You have a huge dinner of chicken and veggies and Chicken else? or fish and veggies, and the veggies will be something green and also like a potato. And then I'll usually do like a, like a piece of candy or ice cream or something, like a very small serving of that. Like uh, last sweet. night I had ch uh, chocolate covered almonds, like 250 calories worth. And that adds up to roughly 20, 23 to 2300. 23 to 24. Calories. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that crazy, like that's so different is what I should say, because obviously it works. So maybe I'm crazy for not doing that. Um, but here's that the thing. like so little food. It, it's not that much food. Sometimes if I have a really hard workout, I'll do a banana and a bagel, but I'll just do a plain bagel, like 350 calories of carbs right before I go work out. Um, I'm not like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I think I think probably the right thing to do is to get like proper food, but I just don't. Bro, I'm looking at this photo. It looks like the right thing to do to me, right? Like what, what else? What are we measuring here? I, I Yeah, I don't Instagram know. Instagram likes. That's how you measure your health. And that is working right now. So here's the thing, though, that I've learned. And this has like, changed my confidence in life and in business and everything. Learning how to manipulate your body. Because like, that's what everyone wants to do is either get skinnier, gain weight. Like Everyone like wants to do something with their body. Once you learn... Yeah. How many people are happy? Just like, yeah. Yeah. Like everyone I'm wants good. to improve their body I in some way. what I want. <laughs> yes. But the thing is, is like what I've learned... So I've been going hard at this. I think like it was two years ago. I texted you and I go, I go I'm going to become an Instagram fitness influencer. It was a joke, but not entirely a joke. But I was like, I want to figure this out. And so I just went and learned <laughs> how it worked. And once I figured out that it's like a mathematical equation, life became so much better. And I just, it was just like, you do this, you do this, you do this, and you do it for three, six, 12 months or whatever, you likely are going to see results. And then what it did was it gave me so much confidence that it's, I realized, wow, this is just like business. Business is actually the same thing. You do this, you do this, you do this. And the likelihood of getting some type of result is high. Hopefully you'll get your desired result, but you're going to be better than when you started. Uh, but then it's like, that became the truth for me, it, it was as if I had bad eyesight and I put on glasses. Like That became the truth with so many other things. You do this, you do this, you do this, and you trust the process. You hire a coach or you develop your own plan. You follow the plan and you have to do it for 3, 6, 12 months, whatever. And it's really fun to start seeing results. And then once, particularly with the body, I think emotions would be next. But with the body, it's like, oh, wow, I can manip manipulate that. And then also with money, we do it with money. I can manipulate money by doing X, Y, and Z. Then it becomes like, I can do anything. And so right. like once I've conquered the body part, it feels awesome. It feels so good. Um, that's exactly, that's so on point. Um, and by the way, the opposite is true. When you want something and you don't figure out how to bend reality to make it happen, a little seed of doubt gets planted in the brain. That's now there. That says, 
And you're like, man, I, I could do anything I put my mind to. And there's a part of your head that says, really? Or is it like that diet? Or is it like sleeping earlier? Or is it like, you know, making money? Whatever the thing that you wanted to do that you didn't, you didn't actualize, you didn't manifest into reality by, by doing it. All right, everyone, a quick break, because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called Money Wise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called Money Wise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called Money Wise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm the Sam Parr, or you can just type in Money Wise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What you should put in a job description to get the perfect hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the, the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. This, this very much relates to a conversation I had yesterday with my trainer. So talking to my trainer, and I said... Uh, I wrote a number on the on the mirror. I just went in there. I wrote 53. He's like, 53 what? Like, what are we doing? 53 of something? 53 push-ups? What, what is this? I go, no, 53 days left. He goes, what do you mean? I go, oh, I had this realization. I'm eight weeks away from having the body I want. That's 56, 56 days. Where did you start? Like, and where did you, you, at your peak, you were like 280? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm basically the same weight I was at the start. You I look just, like, way different. muscle and fat a little bit. But like, oh, no, I was like 220 and I'm currently like 229 through 230. So it's like, I actually went up in weight a little bit, but the composition changed a bit. Sorry, um, you, you just looked horrible when you started. <laughs> now you look awesome. So uh, well, that's look, a great compliment, actually. Uh, <laughs> no, you can see your you can see your biceps. You look you look significantly different from when we first started. So so I told him, I said, I'm I'm am I I'm eight weeks away from everything I want. He's like, oh, that's that's great. I said, uh, so I'm just I'm keeping track right now. I'll just put, I'll just keep changing this number every day that I eat exactly the way I want. This number goes down. And uh, if I don't, we go back to the beginning and uh, we, we start. I don't know if we go all the way back or if I'm just going to like add three every time I'm uh, if, if, if I slip, but I haven't slipped yet, so I haven't had to think about it. All right. So anyways, we were talking and we have this philosophy. So me and my trainer, we have this philosophy where we, um, we both are very into mindset. And what's cool is what happened. What, what I had experienced previously in my life was I'm really into mindset things. I'm basically like, you know, in San Francisco, there's that angry Jesus guy who walks around with a megaphone yeah, being like, Jesus lives. He's alive. He's alive. That's like this guy just walks around so much like in the heart of like where all the startups are, there's one guy that just walks around like that. He's famous. Everybody knows him. I was kind of that with mindset stuff. I'd be like, life is what you respond, not how you react. Right? Like, <laughs> there is no meaning except the meaning you're giving it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> your mood is your choice. Like, like, you know, I was just like walking around like, and nobody really cared. And in fact, most people were generally somewhat annoyed with my, uh, my ongoing uh, conviction in like, the mind, the power of the mind and how important it is to master the mind. Your wife's like, yeah, I get it, Sean. If you think you can or think she, you can't, you're probably right. I get it. Like, just eat your fucking noodles. Can, <laughs> yeah, I think you can take out the trash like yeah. I told you to. You know, yeah. like that, that's kind of where she lands. And I'm like, but isn't the trash already taken out when we really think about it? Yeah. <laughs> like, that annoying guy. <laughs> and so and so then um, I'm sorry, I met my I meet my trainer. He's like, like, he's got his megaphone. I got my megaphone. And they touched. We were both into the same things. I'm like, you Dude, read that book? He's like, I read that book. I'm like, in the morning, do you sit down and think about these things? He's like, I do. I do You're like more now. annoying like, than like two improv kids or two vegans hanging out. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're two improv vegans hanging out. Exactly right. Yes, and. and yes, and. You're just constantly like trying to one up each other. <laughs> we're just like. Yeah. <laughs> we each other talk. So, so normally that's the thing. And we, and to hype ourselves up, we're like, 
dude, it's so nice to talk to another black belt. It's like, I, you know, there's a lot of white belts wanting to run around here and you try to help them out, but they don't even really want to learn the technique. It's so nice to talk to another black belt. And they say, you know what's nice about it? I don't even have to say the thing, actually. I'll say two words, three words about the subject. Enough said. You actually already know. You've read the thing. You've actually practiced that. We already agree. There's no defensiveness. And so we just implement. And I'm what's like, your, oh, what's your workout that day? Just back padding? <laughs> yeah, just like today we're working on our triceps. Yeah. <laughs> so so while we're having this conversation, he's been he he's been telling me this thing. He's like he's like bro, I like he's like I, I like big weights and thin books. And I was like, what? He's like, I like big weights and thin books. And so we'll we'll crack each other up about that. He likes to lift weights, and he's like, I like thin books, meaning I like to just understand the premise of the book and move on. And I appreciate books that are thin. I said, and so we've always talked about simple. Simplicity. How do you simplify a concept so that you understand it so that others can understand things? This is something I always try to do. And we've talked about like, what's simpler than a book, a thin book? What's simpler than a thin book, you know, um, a blog post? What's simpler than a blog post, a tweet? What's simpler than a tweet, a little catchphrase? What's simpler than a catchphrase, a gesture? And so we had been <laughs> playing with this idea of- You're doing too much. Just do less. <laughs> <laughs> we were like- there, uh, this phrase that I've been saying on the pod and and off the pod, the, the the season I'm in right now is a season of intensity is the strategy. So, uh, for me, that applies very easily with the with the body and diet thing. It's like I don't need a new strategy. I don't need a different workout program. I don't need a, a new coach. I don't need a new uh, diet. I don't need a new anything. I don't need to go get a, get a new app to track it. All I simply need to do is execute the very simple plan with much higher intensity. And so I just had this little thing where I just, just this, just if you're, if you're on YouTube, you see this, I'm just turning the knob up the dial and just turn the dial. And now what I'm working on, sometimes he'll just, he'll just go, oh, hold on. And he'll just turn up the dial. That just, I know what that means. I know exactly what I need to do. I need to multiply the intensity I'm bringing to the current situation. I'm doing the same thing, whether it's on food or whatever, just this is all I need to do. Everything I want is on the other side of this little gesture. All right, cool. It looks like you're rubbing a nipple. Your neighbors are just like, why is this guy doing like a nipple That's what he rubbing? Told me. He's, like, he's like, be careful with that one. And I said, well, I only hear there's two possible good interpretations of this. And so um, so the reason of coming full circle to, to the thing you said, which is what I told him, I said, look, I want to, he's like, you know, you got to know your why. So I said, I know my why. My why is because I know that if I can do this, now there is an unstoppable feeling that comes from knowing that you put your mind to something and you did it. I said, I don't really care. I'm already married. I got two kids. I don't need to walk on a beach and like be attractive. That's not a thing for me. What I do care about is I can't have there be an area of my life that I wanted something in and not have that reality to my will. Like I can't not have done that. Right. I, and so once I have done that, it's just yet another, yet another area of my life that I was able to, to do that. Just dial up the intensity and get the result. And that creates the unstoppable confidence. Um, it, it furthers the confidence to the point of being unstoppable because this is the only area of my life I haven't yet done that. And so um, I highly recommend for anybody, the area where you have struggled, that's the, that's the place to put the emphasis. That's the place to try to overcome, not even for the thing, but because you want to be the type of person who could do that thing. That's at least what's worked for me so far and why I have a lot more momentum than I had in the past. Because in the past, I was like, do I really care if I have Abs, like, I'm not sure that that matters to me. No, you definitely um, care, but it feels good. I read this stupid article <laughs> on Vice and it was like, gyms are built for skinny people and I can't go to the gym because I'm fat and people stare at me. And I thought, and this is for anyone listening who's fat right now or out of shape, go to the gym. You want to know why? When I, I have never been to a gym and seen a fat person and I and thought that person's gross. I've only thought, dude, that's sick. They're, they're getting after it. They're trying. In fact, I get inspiration when I see someone overweight because I'm like, damn, the first step's the hardest. They're actually in a harder spot than I am. So if you're listening to this, fucking go get fit. It feels so good to like achieve a goal and to make progress. It feels awesome. And so I've learned a lot over these past few years, like getting my stuff together and it feels amazing. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed this tremendously. So I wanted to bring that up really quick. And what's cool is like, once you like, basically, if you're like, out of shape and fat, you only need to do like, like, for example, if I, if Sean, you were like, I just want to get strong. I'd be like, well, just do this, this, and this. It's really simple. Uh, like do five reps, five sets of this, this, and this. It's, it's quite simple. And then eat this much food. And then once you get like down to that, like 
80th or 90th percentile of fitness, then it's like, all right, we're going to do really small adjust adjustments and you're going to see like bigger changes. So it's really fun to like see like, all right, I just need to like get to this point and that's easy. And I'm just going to do a general plan that works for everyone. And then as you get fitter, it's like, oh, you're just going to dial this a little bit, dial this a little bit. And that's really cool to like see those little small changes, 300 calories a day. What that, what does that mean? Or eating a bagel instead of a banana for your before your workout. Does that change anything? So like these little small things, it's been really fun to like see how that works. And I think maybe just because I get older and my body doesn't respond the same. So it's like these things actually matter. But if you're listening to this, that's what you have to look forward to if you're out of shape. If you're already in shape, it's really fun to test those small dials. I have one topic, Sean. So yeah, yeah last week or this week, maybe Milk Road, your old company. So Sean started a company called Milk Road. It was an email newsletter that was a daily news newsletter for crypto enthusiasts. It was awesome. Still is awesome. You guys, you sold it. And so it's not you, or I don't actually know what your involvement is, but you launched this thing called Milk Road Pro. I believe... So the launch for it was cool. It happened... Um, I actually don't see the date, but I'm looking at like the newsletter when you launched Last it. Week. Yeah. And it's like $300 a year or $20 a month. Or sorry, 10... No, it was $10 a month. $10 a month and $150 a year. Whatever. And what you get okay. is you get um, market insights and deep dives from Milk Road's research team, weekly we recaps on everything happening in the space, uh, quarterly funding breakdowns. Cool. Awesome. First, before I give my criticism, I think it's sick that you guys tried this. Second, do you know if it's working? Um, I know a little bit. So I wasn't involved in the launch of this or the um, the details, like what it is, the price, all that stuff. So I wasn't really involved in that. I knew they were going to do it. Um, and I was like, cool, cool idea to try. Let's do it. And um, that's all I know about that part. I don't know the results of it just so far. So if I've been in this situation, so I had the hustle, I launched a $300 a year thing. The biggest mistake I made or a big mistake I made was instead of charging $300 a year, I should have made something that I could have charged $30,000 a year. Yeah, you and dropped I, a zero. You, oh, you dropped a zero over here. You want to come get that? Yeah, I dropped, <laughs> I, I dropped two of them. Two I zeros. Two zeros. <laughs> and the difference between those two price points is it, 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 it's a ton. But I actually don't think that the work is as big as a difference in price points or at least the, right. eff, the, at least the effort that goes into that. And can I give you a few examples of what I would have done instead if I was the Milk Road? The first thing... I, and by the way, I'm in the backseat here. I don't know anything. They probably... I'm sure maybe they thought about this and there's reasons why and there's probably some strategy. So this is totally a guy who know, doesn't know anything about the strategy. The first thing I would have done... Or these are all different ideas of what could have worked. I would have researched. The first thing. Tell me what you think about this. Not a crypto job board. That's That stinks. Been there, done that. I would have done a crypto job... Uh, crypto salary benchmarking, meaning as any user that signs up, I would have asked them where they work, what their job title is, and how much money they made. And then I would have took like what the benchmarks is, what the benchmark is for different salaries, and I would have packaged that and try to see if I can sell that to HR departments at crypto companies, which I don't know if they're actually hiring a lot right now. So I'd have to do more research. But I, I think I would have done something like that. There's a few companies that have done this. There's salary.com and then there's Payscale. I think Payscale does something like two or three hundred million dollars a year in subscription revenue when they sell into this. Uh, what, what's your what's your gut instinct on that one? And you're saying instead of Milk Road Pro, or you're saying this is a part of it? What, what, what is the idea of, here? Instead, instead of. of okay. These are these are things that would have done instead of. What, what, what yeah, is I that think like? that's a cool idea. Um, I think, you know, the crypto, the number of crypto companies that are mature enough to care about salary things, I think is a little early for that. I feel like something like that's going to work in a few years, not, not. Well, now's yet. a good time to start then, man. Right? Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then, so when I'm thinking about these new ideas, I would think most of my ideas for what you guys should have launched are data related. The reason I like data is A, I actually think that's within the core competency of a company creating newsletters. I think creating a software platform would have been a horrible idea because that's not within your core core competency. I also would have looked at what data can I get from my users and what are they clicking on in order to like track different data. And if possible, I would have tried to make something that my advertisers would also want to buy. But that's actually quite hard. And that that last one, I don't think I could have done. The second thing I would have looked at is sentiment analysis. Again, totally, I'm a total outsider here. So, but I wonder if big banks or big buyers of crypto stuff 
if they would care, what does the little guy think? Like the retail investor. Yeah. And what I would have done is, and I think there's a few, I think there's, it's called Santiment. Uh, they do like four or $5 million a year in revenue. And what they do is they look at behavior analytics of like different crypto markets and how it works. I think there's Augmento. There, there's a few more that like look at this. But I would have like seen, because the thing with crypto is it seems like a lot of stuff happens in Discord. And if anything happens in Discord, a gray hair guy is not going to be able to figure that out. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, true. And so um, I'm wondering, think, definitely true. Could, could Milk Road have figured out what the little guy is talking about before it kind of pops and gets sentiment analysis packaged in a more professional right. way than Discord? What do you think about that? Uh, I think that's a good idea. I think there's, um, the, so we've been doing this thing called the fear and greed index from the beginning. Which I love. Which is basically a, uh, it's a meter that just shows what's the market's mood. And this is kind of like based on the, uh, like from the stock market, this has been the, the case for a long time, which is, um, you know, the market is very moody. It gets extremely fearful. It gets extremely greedy. And you kind of want to be buying when it's fearful and you want to be selling when it's greedy if you wanted to time it, or at least just not buy when the market is feeling super greedy. Um, uh, but like, it's good to know where, where the sentiment stands because you could sort of, price is very, very linked to that. And at the beginning, we didn't have any first party data. So we used an existing fear and greed index and we just skinned it and designed it to fit our brand. I'm pretty sure now we have probably the biggest ability of anybody to poll for that. Exactly. Um, outside of Coinbase or others could, could do it, but they're not They're not doing it. But in terms of media, like we're one of the biggest, I think we are the biggest newsletter for crypto. So I think, and we get a lot of feedback. Like if we say, hey, tell us X, they'll like, we'll get tons of responses uh, for every email. And so I think that we could have basically built our own fear and greed index or built that out, like maybe per coin or per project, per NFT. like. What is the sentiment around this? What are the whales saying? So like just create a cohort of whales and their sentiment that take that data and package it up for any of the financial, like institutional money that's in this space. Um, so I do think that, that that has a possibility and that is a 30,000 product, not a not a, a $10 a month product. And then what I would have done is like looked at that analysis and the data and then also had my researchers and writers give context around this and to explain yes. their sources and why they think it means what it means. And I yeah, think because the research they do in this pro thing is actually good. And the problem is when it's going to be super low priced, I think that it's really hard to go that extra mile on any one topic and because, you know, the, the, the reader may not even be that sophisticated or have that much skin in the game. And then the writer has to churn out lots of content for a wider base. But if you know, hey, this is a narrow group of people that really care a lot about these specific things. You could go be the best in the world at delivering that type of intel. And you host conferences and a handful of other things around that. And that is a $30,000 a year product, I think. Now, yeah. pa packaging all of that is challenging and pulling it off is challenging. But I don't think it's like significantly more challenging than the work that they already have to do. It's just packaged differently. And then the last two things... Well, that the, the sales work is different. So in this, the sales work is easy. You put a link in the newsletter today and you say, hey, you want to hear read this section? Go check out Pro. Sales work is easy. Content work is, is about the same. Um, but the, the value, obviously, of the sale is what matters. So the other case, you have to basically go and meet with the head of research at some some firm, some blockchain investing firm or some traditional uh, you know, hedge fund or whatever. And you have to basically do an enterprise sale to get them on board. Correct. The difference is, and this is an advantage, is that Milk Road is small and your burn is small. So you only a couple two, of deals. Two sales, yeah. It makes could, a huge could, difference. could make a meaningful difference. And you just start, you start small and you start slow. And I think that yeah, that could pull off. You're not a VC funded company that has to grow and support you know, a million dollar a month team. The last two things... Something that has always interested me is organizational charts, which sounds boring. But with crypto, the, well, the, the, this is combined with two ideas. But with crypto, you don't always know who's behind stuff because you uh, like a lot of it's just like someone's face that's a NFT or something like that. And you're not exactly sure who's behind it. Uh, what I would do is I would have done org charts that explains here's who's behind each thing. Here's the team. Here's their contact information, and here's the story behind it, as well as right. our prediction of like, is this like interesting or not interesting? Should you trust it? Because if you're if a bank or 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 a buyer or a funder of some of these companies wants to know like what's the real deal behind them, 
it's really challenging to get a surface level or even a more than surface level view on it without doing lots of your own research. So if you have data that can actually pinpoint uh, this is actually legitimate, it's worth diving deeper into, and here's some more analysis on that, or this one just is nonsense, run. Like something right. like that and your customer being either A, someone who wants to sell into those companies or someone who wants to fund, invest, or purchase something from them, it kind of gives you a little bit more quantitative and qualitative information on are they worth the time? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, that one's, I, I like that one, but I like that one less than the other one. So I think these are all good ideas. I like the theme of these, data-driven. Uh, cor- like basically, once you acquire a, this corpus of data, it just simply becomes more valuable over time. It has to be updated and refreshed, but it's not like new, it's not new content in the same way. It's building a stack of content. I was talking to, a, or I was reading this post about Zoom Info. Do you know what Zoom Info is? Yeah, it's basically just like, here's everyone's email address. Is that the like dummy version of it? Yeah, they're publicly traded though. They do like a billion dollars yeah. in revenue. I don't know what their market cap is. They're big, but it's... What start- do they provide beyond that? It's basically like, it's for salespeople, right? Like, hey, salesperson, here's how you do your prospecting. I think the high level view is basically we have mapped out every employee at every company in America and we know like what they do. We know their contact information and we know a little bit of background about the company. Um, And the way that they started, it was the two founders. They said, we spent 75% of our time just calling the front desk of all these companies to confirm that their phone number was correct. And that was how it started. Then we went and got a, a bunch of different data sources and we combined them to make it a little bit more readable so you could have more data on different companies. And then finally, they created a, I don't know what you call it, like a viral loop, whatever it's called, where people could access some of the data, but they had to submit their own data and right. so in order to get a discounted price. And that kind of created this loop where now they have so much information on different companies, how they work. If you Google like a company and then revenue, you might find Zoom info that will show up, but it will say like their contact information, where their office is and things like that. And so they started just by the two guys, just phone calling. And so these company data businesses can be cool because you can brute force your way to get like a nice little MVP. So anyway, that's my my spiel on Milk Road. I, I, I think that I don't know the background of what the owners are doing, so I could be totally off. That's what I would have done instead, though. So here's a um, tool that's pretty cool that's uh, related. Have you ever heard of Particle.com? No, I'm going to go to it now, though. So Particle just without the E. So it's P-A-R-T-I-C-L.com. Unlock the power of driven product development. Uh, Yeah, what it should say is, see how much any e-commerce store does in sales. (laughs) Because <laughs> that's what it does. <laughs> right, that's like the layman's term. Like Again, Zoom Info is like, hey, you want to sell shit? Uh, we'll tell you who to reach out to and here's their email address. Right, like the, They have to sort of mask it and make it sound a little fancier than it is. But it's very functional, very useful. And similarly, Particle is pretty cool. So what they did is um, for pretty much uh, all the major e-commerce stores, um, they what they did is they, they have a way to go to any like kind of Shopify store and estimate with fairly high confidence. Now, it's not perfect, but it's directionally correct. Um, what that store does in sales within that, what each what which SKU they uh, they sell, like uh, you know, what's the top selling sell, sell, top selling products, bottom selling products, that sort of thing. And so you could do really great competitive research and market research to try to figure out where are their gaps in the market. Oh, okay. This company is doing really well, but there's not a lot of competitors that also sell that wow. product. There may be an opportunity to go in there. Or, hey, um, you know, we're doing really well with these three products, but our competitor, they have this other product line that we don't have that's doing really well. And so it's a cool thing that they built um, using basically like, seems like crawlers and scrapers to go onto an e-commerce store and sort of estimate the um, the volume of, uh, of sales for product. It's not perfect. It's like, you know, because I I looked at it for like our brand and a couple other brands of people I know, and so you know the sale the exact sales number like if it says fifty million, they might do actually seventy million or sixty million. Right, it's, so it's just not, directionally. It, it's directional. It's like it's not five hundred that they do probably, um, but and it's not five. It's more like fifty. It's more like fifty, and uh, but the product level stuff seems to be more accurate. Um, where you know again relatively like product A is more popular than product B by. By double, right? No, okay, interesting. What what is that? What can we learn from that? How do we and they sell this thing for like, I don't know, 20 grand a year, um, to your point. Because if I'm a retailer 
and I can be smarter about my inventory purchases, um, I'll make back the 20 grand and, you know, one or two purchases just by, just by, by having this in Intel, if I didn't have it earlier. So it kind of makes sense how these companies are, are able to charge so much. For Is this company big products. particle? Yeah, I think they're pretty big. Um, I don't know too much. You know, you can't search them on the platform, unfortunately, but, uh, it seems like they're, seems like they're doing pretty well. Who's the owner of Milk Road now? What are their names again? Mike? Uh, Kendall and Mike. Kendall and Mike. Uh, bravo. Launching a subscription product. I'm going to send them this clip. They don't listen to podcasts. They don't listen to any podcasts. Um, and so, uh, like, in fact, when, it, when we first met him, I was like, yeah, it's like, it's a podcast, blah, blah. And then uh, he's like, wasn't really that interested in the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, do you listen to our pod? Any pod? Do you listen to podcasts? He's like, no, why would I? I didn't really understand. Why would I do that? Like, um, <laughs> and he was just like, I just feel like I should just work instead of listen to other people talk about work. And okay. I was like, oh, well, touche. <laughs> Absolutely right. That is what a successful person would say. <laughs> if you guys are listening, that's what I would have done. This is what I learned from launching my product. I mean, we were trends was successful, but I realized we could have had two zeros at the end of our revenue, probably if we would have done things differently. Yeah, good feedback. I like it. Um, what else you got? Um, okay, well, that was amazing. Let's just first start with that. Great idea. Next, um, <laughs> you know, with a guy with great you're, ideas, you're getting those uh, bat packing uh, reps in. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop, never quit, no days off. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna let it slide that you said bat packing. That's what I'm gonna do because I'm a, I'm a nice guy. So with ideas like this, I think I should be in the tech all star game. What's the tech all-star game you asked? It's something I wish existed. So I tweeted this out and um, I think that I laid out my case for why the tech industry needs its version of the NBA all-star game. So tech is getting pretty big. In fact, somebody pointed this, somebody who's not in the tech industry pointed this out to me. They go, yes, yeah, weird. I feel like tech is the new shit everyone in Hollywood's like talking about. He's like, you know, like the Facebook movie was dope. He's like, and then they came out with Silicon Valley, HBO. And they have like, you know, they have the, the, we, the WeWork movie. They got the Theranos movie. They got the Uber story. They got the, like, it's making its way more into pop culture. And what happens when something gets into movies is those heroes become heroes. So the, 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 the protagonist in these, in these things becomes like a new archetype that people want to follow. And so he was pointing this out. He's like, I think tech has just crossed over into this thing where the cool tech people are now popular everywhere. You see this with Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, they're like, how their household names now, Jeff Bezos. Whereas, you know, I couldn't have told you who the CEO of IBM was growing up. Like, I had no idea. But it's that that's changed now. You still so he's can't. like, you, you still can't name the CEO of IBM. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't tell you what IBM stands Look, for. I used to not be able to name who the CEO of IBM was. I still, I still can't. But <laughs> I, I at least want to know. I definitely used to not be able to. <laughs> so, I think somebody should create this. I think somebody should create um, a weekend event. That's produced like a like the NBA All Star Weekend, and get the best talent in the tech industry to compete. So here's how I think you should. You're gonna have work. like a uh, like a like the layup contest or like the base the base hit derby. No, 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 no. It's gonna be a hackathon, real simple. So it's a hackathon. <laughs> that's the main that's the main attraction. That's the that's the game, is a hackathon. And what we'll do is each so you get you only get invited if you're like a legit awesome tech company. So you go from like the top, like, okay, Facebook, you get to send a team or maybe a couple teams. And, but so does, I don't know, Figma. You guys have made it. Congratulations. You get to participate in the thing. And so the CEO of each company gets to recruit one engineer, one designer, and one marketer for their squad. They get to come and they're going to compete in the weekend hackathon. They got to build something awesome and they have to pitch it at the end. And you get to kind of see these people actually like Watch them cook a little bit. Like, let me see you actually do work. Like, are you creative? Are you interesting? Can you build something cool? Um, can you sell? Can you pitch? I want to see see that in action. I think it would be a phenomenal recruiting event for companies. I think it would be just a great, like, kind of brand builder. I think it'd be fun for these people because, I don't know, most tech CEOs' jobs are actually, like, just dealing with problems and not even the fun types. It's not even, like, product problems. It's, like, people problems and l lawsuit problems and, and shit like that. So I think it'd be a, a nice diversion for people who got into this because they like to build shit and that this is how they actually started their company. And I think that you, the way that Elon and Zucker are sort of competing now, I think it's going to open the door to more 
direct competition, friendly competition I agree. amongst tech people. And then I think you do the fun gimmick games, right? You have the whatever, the, the, the speed typing contest, or you have who can do X while they're drunk, or whatever. And you come up with like some random ass games for other people to, to, to try as well. You broadcast the whole thing. And I think that like you could kind of, if you had the right, like if I'm, I was trying to think who has the incentive to do this. So none of the companies have the incentive to do this. Only somebody just as like stupid like me has the incentive to do this where I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm going to spend my time on for the year. And like, I don't need money, so I can just like do this. And like, I think the whole thing, you, it would be profitable because you could get sponsors for the whole thing. And um, I think either me or somebody like um, Eric Tornberg, I thought would be great at this because he's got a lot of great connections and he he comes from the sports world. So he like appreciates that part of it and, and sees that it's missing here. I also think that VC funds, like sort of like Andreessen Horowitz or whoever, could use this as an excuse to create like a, a festival or a fair that's different than a traditional boring conference. So nobody's going to do this, but I think this would be a fun idea. I wish this existed. What's your reaction? Do you remember the Silicon Valley Sports League? <laughs> no. What is that? <laughs> it was awesome. It was like a rec sports league. And um, we did soccer one season. Another season, it was flag football. And it was awesome. It was basically different companies would pay 10 grand per season and you could have 10 players play. And it was like a really fun way to like hang out and, uh, you know, get to know your team and like play sports. And it would, at the time I was at apartment list. So it was like apartment list versus I forget whatever company was like nearby. And you like, it, it was awesome. It you was really, be, yeah, it was really fun. And the guys who started it used the profits to bootstrap their company. <laughs> and it it was sick. And I, they said they made millions of dollars from it. You've not heard of that? <laughs> no, but I'm on their website right now. I don't know if you've been there in a while. No. Look at this banner image. This might be the worst banner image I've ever seen. It's two Ugh. evil looking tech guys pretending to play football against each other. The guy's holding the football, not like how you would hold a football when you run, first of all tiny hands and can't hold a football. <laughs> and the other guy looks like an absolute hyena that's actually coming to take your data and sell it and not like play sports at all. This is who the artist who did this hates the tech industry. They like lost their their two bedroom loft in San Francisco because they, they raised the rent so that like some tech bro could live there. And he, now he's on the street doing art like this. You just have to make it boxing, though. You got to get. You got to get to the. You got to get to the boxing. I mean, the YouTubers are doing no, it now. Pe but people aren't going to do the boxing thing. Like even, like best case scenario is this Elon Zuckerberg thing. It's also not even going to happen. It's not going to happen. They have too much to lose, and it's too hard to be good at boxing. You've seen this with the YouTuber thing. Jake Paul actually like dropped out of life and has like trains boxing for years to look okay. <laughs> and like imagine a tech a interesting tech person is like in their 40s or 50s typically or they're like the scrawniest 25 year old that like like spent their whole life building the thing and not working out like i just don't think it's gonna look okay i think it's gonna look really bad and sad when you watch it why don't you just do this what's holding you back i, I mean it seems fun yeah it seems fun but i think it's a you know it's a fun idea that if i knew that i could get the right people involved, maybe, but it, you need the A. You need the A players to do this. I'm not interested in apartment list head of growth versus, uh, you know, feet finders. You know, customer success guy. Like, you know, we're not doing that. It needs to be Zuck and his team, Elon and his team, and then like you know, like it needs to be like top people doing this, like the Airbnb founder. Like, that's who people would want to tune in because you don't get to meet these people. You definitely don't get to see them work. You only see them giving rehearsed interviews about how they started something 10 years ago or like why they're not ruining the world right now. Like that's the only thing, that's the only context we see these people in. You don't really get to see them in a context that makes them likable, favorable, and like, you know, admirable. Are you on a roll right now? Should we just let you rattle these off? I had three like alliterations there pretty, pretty much so well, yeah, feet, I, I thought I'm, the feet, feet finder was a gem too i'll just like that was on my list as an idea but i haven't researched it somebody just told me feet finder crushes it and i go I, what is feet finder and they go i think it's only finder for feet and i said bookmark that we'll look more at that later is that really <laughs> a thing feet finder oh my god you're right it is yeah. the safest place the safest largest easiest website to view the buy safest. and sell feet content great yeah oh my god dude this is wild Homepage. <laughs> You're right. They do kill it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's some homepage. They get 4 million. Uh, yeah, we'll save this for another time. Oh, my God. That is a homepage. 
Uh, don't go to feetfinder.com if you're with your family. Uh, All right, let me give you another quick one. So related to uh, my OnlyFans and now Feetfinder uh, curiosity. Okay, so Ben sent me a, a, a link to something called onlypage.com. And page as in like the girl's name page. And I thought this is kind of interesting. So I go to it and it's basically OnlyFans. So there's some model named Paige and she's like, hey, subscribe to me and you get my content and you get all the same things as OnlyFans. But she's hosting oh, it on it's her the, own website. It's that golfer. The, what, I don't know. What, what's her full name? I don't she's, know. Is she a famous athlete? I have no idea. I think she started as like a mediocre athlete, a mediocre golfy, but she's a golfer, but she's really good looking. And so now she's in the news and stuff all the time for just being like this hot athlete. Her name is Paige S. I forget her last name, but something like that. I mean, the variety of content here. You scroll down, it's golf instruction and it says warming up and she's just bending over on a putting green. It says the mental game and she's talking about that. And then there's just bra tutorial. I don't know how many guys are subscribing to watch a bra tutorial for that, you know, that the, the bra techniques, but uh, you know, this is, uh, she knows what she's doing. Let me so just put it this way. I sent you her Wikipedia. It's Paige Sparanak. Uh, so I guess she was a former professional golf player. She was a division one golfer. And then she just got famous for being pretty good at golf. And then people were like, you're very attractive. And she was like, oh, I guess I should. I should lean into that one. <laughs> she's, like, she's talking to her mentor. She's like, I'm I'm pretty good at golf, but I'm amazing at boobs. Like, where do you think I should go with this? And they're like, you know what? You should you should focus on your strengths. And and so, anyways, what I thought was interesting about this is this is basically a direct consumer version of, of OnlyFans. It's what Shopify did. So, like you before Shopify, it's like you could list your th- your products on somebody else's marketplace, like Amazon, Walmart, whatever. Um so that's like one alternative. You could be an Amazon seller. You put your product on Amazon. Amazon is the storefront. People go to Amazon. They find your product. That's how OnlyFans works. People go to go to your OnlyFans. It's hosted on OnlyFans. OnlyFans is the tech platform where you make your purchases through. This is interesting. Somebody must have created for her, there must be some company behind this, um, or she built this herself, which is a shop like a Shopify version of OnlyFans. She has her own branded domain, <laughs> her own store, and she's handling her own customer relationship with customers. So when they, like, for example, when you sign up to somebody's OnlyFans, you don't get their email address. Um, if they churned, you could never market back to them that way. But with this, theoretically, she could. And so I thought this was kind of interesting. I wonder, like, Shopify turned out to be a very big deal in the, like, kind of, like, commerce landscape. Clearly, OnlyFans, the niche, is doing, you know, billions of dollars a year as a product, like, I don't know, I don't even know what you would call a category. Um, can somebody create the Shopify for that? That's kind of interesting to me. Um, so I don't know. I the, don't know. The this company is the first time I've seen this. The company behind uh, her page, it's called Uscreen. So Uscreen.tv, the letter U and then screen.tv. And it's the all-in-one membership platform for creators. Delight your diehard fans with exclu- exclusive video content and a vibrant community across your own mobile app and website. And on their homepage, they list like some YouTuber with two million subscribers. They list a uh, they list a yoga company. Kids, kids art. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> there's like, kids art. There's yoga. There's like some German guy. There's like a pregnancy blog. And now Paige is using here. it. Yeah, <laughs> she's like their big. She, she's definitely Sort their by biggest best selling. <laughs> yeah, so she's so it's a company that's doing it, and it looks like she just found like a course creator company and was like, or a, a course, membership platform. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, we're gonna do that. We're gonna go ahead and just only pay three hundred dollars a month. Uh, this in is order interesting. To- they, their thing says one hundred fifty million earned by creators each year. That's pretty interesting. That's uh, that's not like a small number. They say they have nine million end users, so like members on the other side of the the content. Yeah, that's and so cool. I never heard of this. Have you ever heard of this? No, I've never heard of it. And it looks like they're killing it because they just made maybe some policy changes that would not allow like Kajabi <laughs> or something to like uh, appeal to that type of creator. But it's smart. So if you click their leadership team, they have a big team. It's a it must be a big company. They have got a huge team. It looks like they have uh. 50 to 150 employees. So it must be working. And if you look them up, you can't find any funding information about them. The company might be killing it. And we just, dude, I want to make a Chrome extension that's just called the honesty filter. And it just changes the website homepage to like say what it actually does. 
like uh, you know, like it should just say monetize your body. Yeah, <laughs> like, with less fees than OnlyFans. Yeah, <laughs> and like you know the the Zoom info, get people's email address and spam them. Like <laughs> you know, these are like what these companies actually do. But if you go like if I go to Zoom info, what does it say? So the guy who started it. His name's PJ. It looks like he on his LinkedIn, he says they're north of 20 million in an ARR. They're bootstrapped and it's based out of Washington, D.C. This is a legit company. And before that, he had a web hosting site. Uh, anyway, this guy. This thing is bootstrapped. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what his LinkedIn says. Yeah. So they're probably doing, they probably take like, I want to say five to 10% of this. So maybe something like 10 to 15 million a year in, uh, in revenue for them. Yeah, and he says that he's killing it. It says in his LinkedIn, it's over $20 million in ARR. It says, fast-growing and profitable bootstrap SaaS business revolutionizing the way that video-based entrepreneurs make men get off. <laughs> That's what it says. So, yeah, PJ. Oh, you got to turn the Chrome extension off. Hold yeah. on, hold on. <laughs> it got you there. <laughs> so, kudos to PJ. My Chrome like extension's it's... called TrueDat. And you can find it in the Chrome store. (laughs) That's his side hustle. Uh, Good job, PJ at at Unscreen. I don't see Paige on their home screen. I don't know why I wouldn't see that. She has 4 million followers on Instagram. You got a guy on here with in the front page with 1.8 on on YouTube. We got to put Paige on there. But that's what she's using. So her name's Paige Sarah Nick or something like that. Well, maybe with your new uh, body. I don't know. Maybe you screen, I screen. We all scream for Sam's screen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, Paige, what's up? Uh, that's a joke. My wife who's listening, that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> but I do see that Paige is recently divorced, according to her Wikipedia. Uh, no, I'm just joking. She's like a nine. I'm a four. That won't ever work out unless <laughs> we can figure out a way. Um yeah, on screen or you screen, whatever it is. Good job. Kudos to you guys. They're taking that business of people who don't want to uh, deal with these people. I don't know why more people don't do this. I guess you have to have a really big, uh, I mean, you need a big audience. Paige has 4 million uh, Instagram followers. But does OnlyFans even drive audience? Do they drive a significant amount? of? No, they don't. They intentionally don't drive discovery. So you, it's kind of like Shopify anyways. You promote yourself. They're your storefront. But the thing is, it'd be like if every Shopify store was on it was called shopify.com slash store name and if you couldn't collect your you know the 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 emails or phone numbers of your customers so you couldn't like you know sell, sell more products to them or whatever it's all done through their through their platform yeah um, and you screen advertises that they have like a community platform i don't think i want to be part of that community but <laughs> just the paywall part might be worth it so if you're a creator yeah. i'd be like yeah i'll accept their money but i don't want to like you know, I don't want to like talk to them on a regular basis. That'd be <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, that's a good find. What, right. Where do we go from um, here? I think that's it. I think we wrap it up. All right. Well, say, that's say the episode. Line. By the way, uh, really quick. Um, Bro, it's, that's the pod. That's, that's the, the pod. I know. I, I wanted to tell you something really quick. Um, I just got a text while we were recording from Jason Janowitz at Blockworks. He goes, Today, I got asked to leave the bank because I was laughing so hard at the at Sean's Taco Bell story. They were like, sir, could you please leave your call outside? Because I had headphones in and was laughing so loud. So, so loud. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, no, you need to listen to this podcast. And they were like, sir, what are you talking about? <laughs> the, the Taco Bell story, it, he it worked. He just taken off his AirPods and played it out loud for the entire bank to hear. He's <laughs> like, no, you got to hear the story that Sean tells about making eye contact with a guy who's farting at a Taco Bell. Uh, and can I please deposit $500? Uh, no, <laughs> apparently that was a hit. A lot of people like that Taco Bell story. Congratulations. You should uh, no, do, more uncom- you, you. do more uncomfortable things. I um I, w- I went and replied to a bunch of the comments on YouTube. Um, if it comes from the the channel name, that's me. Um, so so I went and replied to a bunch of them because I had said like we re- we read and reply to every comment. Yeah, I know people got Truth mad at is, you. We read all the comments. Now yeah. there's a lot. Like it, there's 700 comments per episode, which is a lot to reply to. I did it for one, and I was like, okay, I can't go do that for the next one. So I think it's going to be kind of like. I reply to, I read all of them and reply to, I don't know, 
a hundred each time uh, because it's it's now getting. I read all of them. I read all much. of them, and a lot of them they got mad at us for uh, being. They they called us all a bunch of cucks for liking Zuck. They said you're Zuck's cucks. Yeah, cuck army. What's up? <laughs> we, we have tattoos on the inside of our wrist, dude. Isn't it crazy it burns that hot whenever, whenever, whenever Zuck's working out, <laughs> that Zuck is now on the liberal side of this stuff. Somehow we're like, you know, left of center because we like Zuckerberg. That's so funny that he's fallen like on that side of this argument. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they know. got. I don't get it. They got mad at us. But anyway, that's the pod. We'll read all the comments. That's the pod. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like-